Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you're involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to be taking a look at community colleges and the unique role they play in helping to advance students and to provide excellent educational backgrounds. I guess today is an expert on this topic. Dr. Magdalena de la Teja previously served as the Vice President for Student Development Services at Tarrant County College, Northeast Campus in Texas. She was a teacher, served as a Dean of Student Services at Austin Community College, practiced law with the Texas legislature, and was an administrator at the University of Texas in Austin, Texas. Dr. Magdalena de la Teja, welcome to today's Global Connections program. No, it's a pleasure to be uh, with you uh, today. I appreciate you being with me after this impressive resume. I have to ask you, what do you do in your spare time? <laughs> this is just remarkable, absolutely remarkable. But we're going to get into it uh, very shortly. But let's talk at uh, the beginning about uh, community colleges. And uh, as I understand community colleges, the ones I've been involved with in Kentucky and in other states, they're usually two-year institutions. Normally, the students live at home or near the campus. I'm not going to say always at home. Before, years ago, they were just viewed as really, I'm not gonna say an inferior education, but one that if you couldn't get into a four-year institution or didn't want to go there, you would go to a two-year college or you went there first to the community college and then went to a four-year institution. But first off, is that an accurate description what I gave you? And secondly, how is, how is that role changing? It, I think community colleges are viewed much more importantly today than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. I think that that's a, a fair uh, question, uh, and the community colleges, I believe, have evolved uh, over the years, uh, like a lot of other institutions. Uh, and I first got connected with a community college because um, uh, my parents <clears throat> are immigrants from Mexico. They came in as undocumented workers, and we were a family of eight. So when I decided I wanted to go to college, it was Central Texas College, a community college that I chose to attend. And that's what happens to a lot of, especially historically underrepresented students. Uh, we choose to go to the community college because it offers us a, a place to go for our first two years and then an opportunity to transfer. Uh, the community college plays a, an enormous role with workforce development as well. It certainly does, and it's getting more important in, in that particular respect. Well, now you're involved with the Communities of the Future project, and people are going to say, how are we going from community colleges to communities of the future? But this was a project that was launched by our, our colleague, Rick Smyer. And first off, what is the Communities of the Future project, and what is the link between what you're doing at community colleges and this project? 
Okay, well, I have to give credit to the University of Texas at Austin, uh, where I was employed uh, with the president, uh, Dr. Peter Flan, as an administrative intern and later uh, worked with the vice president for student affairs because they introduced me to NASPA, which is an international uh, student affairs association. Uh, and I met Rick there because we invited him to come as a keynote speaker uh, for the NASPA Community Colleges Division uh, and that I helped to create. So Rick and I connected on transformational leadership uh, and we have been working uh, most recently in the last several years uh, to work with faculty and administrators to help them understand what transformational leadership is, uh, how that can be used to transform organizations and communities. Uh, so it's been a, a real uh, interesting journey. It certainly is and will be, I'm sure. Now, we're, we talk about the educational systems in, in this country and, and around the world. We're not just talking about the United States, but really worldwide. And do you see that the, well, are the educational systems, which maybe stay in the United States for the moment, are they training or preparing students to deal with the challenges of the future? And by the challenges, talking about climate change, income inequality, we're talking about, well, you're in Texas right now, and we saw that horrific power blackout in February of 2021 that took place. But are they, I know they're giving them a certain amount of technical knowledge or imparting technical knowledge, but are we preparing students sufficiently to deal with these problems as well as to be professionals, whether they're in engineering or in chemistry or in social work or whatever it might be? Well, I think that that's a question that lots of educators are asking themselves right now. Uh, during the pandemic, it's caused a major disruption within those institutions. Um, we, we have done a good job at the secondary level sending more students into college. Um, however, at the both the community college and university level, uh, we have been uh, not as successful in graduating, especially historically underrepresented students. So we have a way to go. Uh, what had happened with the, the pandemic is it made it very clear to educators uh, that we can't continue uh, to uh, do the same things we've been doing and expect different results. Uh, so uh, what happened with a pandemic is there had to be a sudden transition into remote learning. And unfortunately, uh, there, was, there was the digital divide and many households were left out in the cold, so to speak, uh, because uh, they were, weren't able to connect remotely. Uh, and also student performance uh, has uh, been affected. Uh, the other thing that's happened uh, uh, during the pandemic is first time college enrollment has declined and community college enrollment has declined. So uh, what we're seeing is that educators are having intense discussions right now, uh, trying to plan what's it going to look like uh, to build innovative, future-oriented, post-pandemic strategies. Uh, so I'll, I can talk to you more about that as you ask me more questions. Why don't we go into it right now <laughs> while we're in that neighborhood? Let's stay there. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so uh, one of the things that uh, is clear is that we uh, have to find ways to reach these students uh, that are basically getting disconnected uh, in education. So post-pandemic, there's going to be lots of opportunities. Uh, and what the thought leaders are saying is that uh, what we really need to do is provide uh, 
um, more what they call hybrid immersive learning experiences. And what that means is that uh, perhaps we might transform higher ed to look like uh, that, that the students are able to learn uh, via remotely, have content that they learn, and then uh, actually uh, then meet with professors, uh, possibly in person to discuss what they have learned. So that's uh, one option that, that has come up. Another one that's going to be very important is that we have to have a different way of allowing people to earn credentials. Uh, right now, it's really inflexible. Uh, we think of the semester and semester credits and having to go the full semester. Well, that's changing uh, because uh, the pandemic and even before the pandemic, uh, community colleges were already offering shorter courses. And I think universities are, saw that as a model and started emulating that model. Um, the other thing that's going to be really important uh, is that we're all going to have to be lifelong learners. That's already happening. Uh, education is not going to be we finish high school and then that's it. We can sit back uh, or even finish college uh, and, and not be involved in lifelong learning. So uh, they're, they're talking about how can we uh, engage people in learning throughout their lives and uh, have a flexible way of entry uh, and then stopping and reentry. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the things that they're talking about. And they're very, very critical. Now, your your university that you worked or college you worked at before in Tarrant, that that has what fifty thousand students, I believe, something like that. Is that correct? It's a very large yeah. institution for yeah. a community college, but that's pretty much typical around many places around Texas and many other states and in other parts of the world too. As we come out of this COVID, and it looks like we're moving in the right direction finally. It's taking it, taking us a while to get here, but we're moving in the right direction. You were talking about what's going to change. Do, do you think that there will be even a further retooling of the curriculum or whatever, the, the, uh, the way to communicate to students that they are living in such a society that's changing so rapidly, but it's an interdependent, it's an interconnected, it's a very complex society and that they're going to have to go even a step or two beyond that to be able to deal with these problems and not just go to college for two years or four years or whatever it may be and come out and say, well, here I am. I know you mentioned about lifelong learning. That's very true. That is, there's no, no greater truth in the world probably than that. So uh, do you think that, that that will be part of the retooling in the future? Oh, absolutely so. And uh, one of the things that uh, we have to understand is where we are at this time. People are uh, restless about losing jobs and not being able to find new employment uh, at, at, the, at the level that they were being paid. Uh, they uh, are experiencing poverty and homelessness. Uh, we, we have inadequate health care. Uh, we, we found that out through COVID. Uh, and there's also struggle against racism and income inequality. Those are all huge issues. And uh, educational institutions, I think, post-pandemic uh, are going to have to, and, and during the pandemic, are going to have to really work with communities, uh, reaching out to them, uh, going out to visit them, inviting them to the campuses and, uh, and explaining uh, more about what's happening in, in our society and that it's evolving and that we all need to collaborate and work together uh, for a better future. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a moment ago about racism, you mentioned about job loss, 
uh, employment training, those types of things. I'm reminded of a colleague, more of yours than mine, I guess, but a gentleman who was on my show uh, several months ago, uh, Dr. John Cobb from California. And he talked about a brilliant philosopher, futurist, and he was talking about our society is shifting from the industrial age to what he calls the emerging ecological civilization. How, how would you define that ecological civilization and what does that mean for us and for the students even more importantly? I think that uh, the ecological civilization fits in really well uh, with the skills of a transformational leader, master capacity builder, um, because uh, the ecological civilization basically uh, wants us to look at a new way of living, a more sustainable way to live. Uh, and that includes uh, looking at our economy uh, as uh, something that isn't just about making profits. It's not just about one bottom line. They, they talk about it as three bottom lines and that uh, includes uh, looking at how, uh, what we do, including with technology and, and developments in, the, in artificial intelligence or robotics, et cetera. What is that doing to uh, the people? How does it benefit people? Uh, and also, how does it affect our planet? You know, you mentioned climate change, Bill. Uh, and of course, as a Texan, you said, uh, we just experienced that uh, severe uh, winter weather. Uh, and it was, it was pretty scary without electricity and without water. In fact, uh, our legislature, our Texas legislature right now is uh, discussing what caused it, who, uh, who's responsible, what are we gonna do in the future? And what we are being told uh, as we reel from that crisis is that we were four minutes and 37 seconds away from greater devastation. That is huge. Uh, and that's one of the things that the ecological civilization is talking about. We cannot sustain uh, uh, that way of living into the future. Uh, we have to act now. We have to change now. And educational institutions are going to be the leaders because we've got the research universities uh, that are already doing wonderful work. I, I, you know, I want to mention the University of Texas, MIT. Uh, we, they're doing uh, incredible work looking at uh, shaping the work of the future, uh, what we need to do uh, to, uh, uh, to reduce income inequality, etc. So um, I, I think that the ecological civilization um, ideas are, are very interesting. And, and what they say is uh, that uh, to look for these major disruptive signals, because uh, people right now want change. We've had the pandemic, we've lost jobs, we uh, are homeless, uh, we are uh, having trouble in education. So people want to change and ecological civilization may sound uh, even more appealing these days. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you're involved in some type of a podcast, or you just have a computer and you like our show and you'd like to share the show or many of them with your friends and colleagues, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost 
as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're talking with a renowned educator in the state of Texas about the educational system and how to be prepared and how the students are being prepared to deal with a, a transformative society and one that's interdependent and changing very quickly. Dr. Magdalena de la Teja is previously served as the Vice President for Student Development Services at Tarrant County College Northeast Campus in Texas. She was a teacher, served as the Dean of Student Services at Austin Community College, practiced law with the Texas Legislature, and was an administrator at the University of Texas in Austin. And Dr. De La Teja, this is so important. I, we want to pursue, I want to pursue the, especially the climate change approach and the black cap, but you mentioned a minute ago about uh, the master capacity builder. What, how did you describe a mass, master capacity builder? Uh, yes, uh, I, as I mentioned, I became familiar with uh, the master capacity builder transformational leadership principles through Rick Smyer, who's CEO of the Communities of the Future. Uh, and I was intrigued with it because as a leader, uh, I, I felt it would be important uh, to, uh, to understand how I could think about the future and be making changes at our community college within student affairs uh, to help students be more successful. And so Rick uh, talked about a transformational leader as, as someone uh, who, who helps others self-organize. So it, it's not a... a top-down kind of leadership. It's actually one where you engage uh, with others and you uh, facilitate as a leader, uh, groups coming together and self-organizing and collaborating. Collaboration is really important. And another key element uh, is uh, connective listening. So basically as a leader, uh, you learn to to listen to others and find connections uh, so that you can uh, be able to create new ideas or new ways of doing things and new ways of thinking uh, by linking these disparate ideas. The other thing is that we watch for uh, trends and what, what Rick calls weak signals uh, and emerging trends uh, and patterns. And uh, so uh, essentially, if we were listening during this last year of the pandemic, we saw lots of weak signals coming through, uh, lots of emerging trends. Uh, and uh, we, we also saw people collaborating with each other. Uh, and and what, uh, another thing that's very important, it's complex, it, it requires adaptation, and it's about emerging uh, allowing things to emerge uh, through groups and being able to facilitate groups and in, in, in doing that so that they can come up with more sustainable ways of living. Uh, so those are some of the, the principles of involved with a master capacity builder. And of the items that we've talked about today, the crises or the challenges of the 21st century that are becoming even more prominent, especially when we look at the blackout that took place or the power failure in Texas, we see climate change is roaring. It's not just, it's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's happening right now and we can see it occurring. We see that there is systemic racism in the United States and in many parts of the world, to be quite honest. We see that there are many challenges and we're talking about training the students of the future. Do you see us moving from uh, to more of a, well, bringing these issues into the, into the cu curriculum the curricula and also 
uh, working to help students prepare to, to work on these issues. But do you see us changing as far as uh, doing individualized? I know you've alluded to that to some degree, but uh, more of a, um, uh, I guess, a, uh, a learning facilitator approach as opposed to maybe a classroom setting and that type of thing. Are we moving in that direction? Well, I think that uh, we are. Um, I, I actually Googled um, learning facilitator uh, just because I, I was thinking, uh, I know that into the future, we're gonna need more learning facilitators and also uh, career coaches. Uh, and I think that there's already people being hired uh, by the private sector. And I think that uh, edu educational institutions uh, will want to look at that in the future is, is hiring and, and, and training uh, facilitators because uh, we, we have an opportunity through artificial intelligence and uh, technology and more and more personalized uh, items. For example, I'm now wearing a, a Fitbit. And, and that was something that uh, is new to me because I, I, I know they've been around for a while, but I decided that that would be important for me to use. Well, we're gonna have more devices like that that will help us. But a learning facilitator uh, will connect students in secondary schools and help them stay in school because right now that's part of the, uh, the concern is that they're not engaging in education. As to community colleges, I think we're gonna need career facilitators uh, people that will learn about uh, the uh, emerging employment opportunities uh, in their uh, area, in their region, uh, and then uh, work with uh, those individual students to get them ready for those jobs, uh, to, to help them with their reading and math skills, but also with their cross-cultural skills, with their communication skills. Uh, with uh, their listening skills uh, as, uh, and, and trying to make connections with, with different things that they see and also understanding that they're gonna need to be lifelong learners. They certainly will. We all are. <laughs> Everybody yes. on this planet, I think we, could, we should say, we're all gonna be lifelong learners and we need to incorporate that into our modus operandi, so to speak. I, I'm sure your campus, when you were there, uh, had a lot of international contacts. You probably had international students, many perhaps in Mexico, Central America, other parts of the world. How do you think this is going to impact? And obviously COVID has shut down a lot of our international linkages and partnerships, but how do you think our future will be as far as linking with our friends and colleagues and professionals in other parts of the world? Because we are interconnected, we are interdependent and you can pick any profession. It doesn't matter if it's architecture, if it's brain surgery, whatever. You have international colleagues, you, there's some international component to what you're doing. But how do you think that's going to be impacted once we get beyond this COVID-19 problem? I think that's a great question. And, and of course, uh, we saw some political uh, maneuvering uh, around international uh, students and higher education came to their defense. Uh, however, it's still been very disruptive for our international students. And I, like you, Bill, uh, love to travel. Uh, as I have mentioned, I've gone uh, traveling uh, throughout uh, the seven continents. And uh, the picture you see me behind me is Antarctica. And 
we were on one of those uh, zodiacs you see there in the back. So I, I really like connecting with people uh, from all over the world. Uh, I think it's a, a part of a valuable thing. And I think educators are, are going to see that they, they will want to reach out to these international students and, and, and invite them uh, to come back and provide wraparound services for them so that they can be successful. And uh, it's, it's also important for our global connections. Uh, we, we, we have to uh, be able to reach out and, and I'm a real proponent uh, of that. And uh, I actually have uh, uh, gone to Salzburg to learn about uh, the uh, global citizenship and what that means. And so absolutely, uh, I'm in favor of that. And I think our transformational leadership uh, principles uh, definitely uh, allow, and so does the ecological civilization, uh, basically building communities uh, of communities of communities, as, as Dr. Ba, uh, Cobb has said. Yes. And even though we're talking about case studies really in Texas right now, these apply all around the country and really in many places around the world. This, these issues are not limited to, to what you've been dealing with. And, and of course, your colleagues in other parts of the world are dealing with them also. Well, let me ask you in our last minute, what do you perceive as our number one, hardest question yet, but what do you perceive as our number one challenge as we move forward? Well, I think uh, that once we take care of the pandemic, because frankly, I think that the pandemic is our number one challenge right now. Uh, so once we are able to get past uh, the pandemic, uh, then I think uh, our uh, other challenge uh, will be bringing the country together, uh, uh, healing. I think that we do have to take time uh, to heal, uh, to listen to each other, uh, to find connections with each other, uh, to, uh, to help each other. That's one of the things I really liked uh, about uh, what has happened during the pandemic is that people reach out and they're, they've been helping, they've been taking food and water and, uh, and, and, and also providing a, a place uh, for the homeless and so many positive things, helping out children. Um, so one thing that I wanna say is that uh, I once heard uh, that it, it, what's, uh, it's not important what you know, what's important is what you do with what you know. And, and I think that that's uh, clearly uh, what we need to do into the future. We now know climate change uh, is a problem. We need to do something about it, not just talk about it, but do something about it. Uh, we know that we have homelessness and we need to do something about it. We know there's income inequality and that it's based on a, a corporate structure uh, that benefits uh, the few uh, and leaves everyone else behind. So we know these things. Uh, it's time to act. It certainly is. And now, now we must move forward. But Dr. Magdalena de la Teja, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.